Welcome to the First Baptist Church Brunswick podcast. Join us as we desire to lead people into a deep and thriving relationship with Jesus Christ. Good morning. My name's Jeff Cannon, and uh, your pastor, Chris, and his family are uh, with a lot of our church members and and with Ethan, our youth pastor, uh, on the ski trip. So Chris can't do it. Ethan, who can preach clearly, can't do it. So, so here I am. Uh, so I uh, and and my family, my wife Jessica, my sons Kirkland, Charlie, Philip, and Zach. My little girl Ella is a little under the weather, so my mother-in-law is keeping her at the house. And I just got to tell you now. She normally sits about right there, and, she, and she's the amen that you hear. And she's not here. So, whether it's the Holy Spirit or just pity, somebody is going to have to take up that oar and row this morning. Um, my wife Jessica and I have been members of this church for about 15 years, um, called Brunswick home for a long time. We had a a funny little year a couple years ago um, where I went, uh, we all went actually to, back to Atlanta, but, but I came right back in like six months and, uh, and Jessica had to stay out for a whole year. But, um, you know, when you, when you coach high school football and, and teach and things like that, sometimes um, you got to move. And uh, so we did, but God brought us right back. Um, I'm the head football coach at Brantley County High School, one county over and been teaching math and, and been in the weight room now for, uh, for a number of years. So, so that's what I do. And so if we can just kind of connect a little bit here, I know this is interesting. It's, it's January 3rd, it's 2021, and we're all just so relieved to have 2020 behind us, right? So there was a lot of adversity there. We faced a lot of things. And you know, as a high school math teacher, like I had to deal with like elementary school, Eureka math, like I, you know, what is that? And that's not how you do long division, but we, you know, like, you know, so I had, you know, even, even for me, you know, I had to, I had to struggle there uh, along with most of y'all. And so we're glad that most of that's out of the way. But, you know, so for the first message of 2021, you don't get your senior pastor who's awesome. You don't get the youth pastor who can preach. And, and so, so here we are. So we're all just going to have to kind of come together and, uh, and, and fight through it a little bit. But during that time, of this, of this year, this past year, this 2020, this whole thing, we've kind of set it up, right? We've kind of, we've kind of tried to put it in a box and, and labeled it and, and called it its own thing. And um, you, know, you probably learned a truth that I believe comes from the Navy SEALs, but it's, but it's applicable in athletics. We use it all the time. And it's certainly relevant for each of us considering 2020. You don't rise to the occasion You fall to the level of your training. You don't rise to the occasion. When when things get hard, when things are tough, when the chips are down, you don't rise to the occasion. I know, and believe, I I mean, I've been coaching for a long time. And so, when trying to motivate kids and try to get them to raise their level and things like that, you know, Mike Tyson, you know, you don't, you, you got a game plan, you know, everybody's got a, a plan until you get hit in the mouth, right? So when the adversity comes, naturally you would like to think that, well, I'm going to step up here. 
you know. But the truth is that you, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to your level or descend to your level of, of training or, or, or prep, your, your preparation. So that's tough. So most of us saw that this year and in, in, in one area of our lives or another. You probably saw the adversity of 2020, uh, that, that the adversity that 2020 brought dropped us to a level to where our training was not good enough. Maybe you, maybe you realize that. Maybe I was unprepared. Perhaps you were prepared financially but not spiritually for all this. Or maybe it was the other way around. Maybe it was both. Maybe you were prepared as a spouse to draw up alongside your husband or wife and be unified during this mess, but not as a parent. Having to navigate distance learning and our, our technologically based social constructs and having to, you know, because if you weren't monitoring that mess before, if you've got kids, if you weren't monitoring that stuff before, I mean, we're living on it now, our kids are. That's what, it's how most of them are getting educated, and that's how they were educated for a good chunk of time. So that's hard. So you got to deal with things like Eureka Math. So now that you've considered where you were deficient, because you were somewhere, now that you've considered that, what is going to make 2021 so different? Right? Because who hasn't said or who hasn't been saying for like six months if we can just get out of it? If we can just get to the end, if we can just get to 2021, well, guess what? It's here. So what's going to make it so different? And I got to tell you, you know, I was at the Citrus Bowl. 2021 Auburn football looks a whole lot like 2020 Auburn football. (laughs) Just sorry, that's the language I speak, so... um, So, my gosh, what's going to make it so different? Oswald Chambers said this. If we refuse to practice, it is not God's grace that fails when a crisis comes, but our own nature. God regenerates us and puts us in contact with all his divine resources, but he cannot make us walk according to his will. He can't make us. That's the only Chambers one I got today, but I got a ton of Spurgeon. If you've ever been in my Sunday school class or you've ever heard me preach, I'm very, very heavy on, on Charles Spurgeon. And, and one that's not in here, okay, and just to let you know why, because I'm, I'm a confrontational, kind of in-your-face kind of person. Um, that's kind of, as I've gotten older, that's slowed way down. But um, this is why I like Spurgeon so much, and it has nothing to do with the message. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. If any, if, if any man thinks ill of you, Do not be angry with him, for you are worse than he thinks you to be. Yeah. And no amens. Plenty of laughter, but no amens. You know that's true. Anyway, so I like that guy. You'll hear from him a bunch. All right, so I hope the scripture that we study today will be encouraging to you. I am not a natural encourager. While a good bit of my job is to motivate young people, encouragement can be found in there some, but I think it's important to note that I'm That if I've ever been an encouragement to you, it's either been completely by accident or or very, very intentional, like laser-like focus intentionality to encourage you. Because I'm just not not a natural one, all right? So that means I've got to either do it on accident or on purpose. So that's important. So, all right, raise your hand. If you know someone, it's probably you, but I'll just go say if you know someone. Raise your hand if you know someone. 
who is anxious about all the things that Ethan mentioned last Sunday, uh, COVID, the election, the state of our country, your finances, all those things. Do you know someone that's anxious about that? Nobody. Okay. Oh, there they go. All right. So, you know, it's probably, again, it's probably you, but, but you know somebody. All right. So that, that's a lot of anxiety. Okay. Proverbs 12.25 says, anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down. Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. As if we had just had, I gotta tell you, if I'd had that one in my back pocket six months ago, you know? Anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. The Bible says good words can combat anxiety. Now, I'm afraid saying some of those good words to yourself in the mirror isn't it. Be that good word for somebody. All right, that's free. We're not going to be in Proverbs today, but that's just, just free for you. All right, so we're going to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. So all 18 verses, and I'll read them and, and read them fast, so we're not going to be here very long. All right, but we're going to see how, that, how you can make 2021 different through prayer, discipline, hard work, and living in God's peace. So first, got to set the stage for you, all right, um, with Thessalonica. So I've got a, I've got a map we might be able to get it on the screen uh, here in a minute. It would be helpful for you to kind of see a picture of where Thessalonica is um, and, and, you know, with Macedonia and Corinth and things like that. And I just want to, you know, a lot of Bible scholars think that First and Second Thessalonians were some of the, the earliest of Paul's epistles, if not the, the earliest two. Okay, we got a map yet? No, nope. still working on that. I got one. I'll show it to you. Hey, all right. All right, so you see, we've got Thessalonica up there. It's, you know, you've got Macedonia, you've got the, the, the Grecian Peninsula, all right? So you've got Philippi, you've got Berea, that's Troy over there on the right, Ephesus, Athens, Corinth down at the bottom. So 51, 52 AD, Paul's in his second missionary uh, journey, all right? And so he's, and, and, and in order, you've got to think about it, it's obvious, right? In order to write these churches, he had to go there once first, right? So he's so he's gone he's gone to all these places and right now he's in Corinth. Now so, there's a small percentage of guys who think that he's in Ephesus when he writes Second Thessalonians, uh, but I, I agree with the majority of biblical scholars because he was in Corinth for like a year and a half, for like 18 months, um, when he was writing these letters, and it was not hard to get couriers to go back and forth from Thessalonica and Corinth. All right, so. Thessalonica had about 200,000 people in it at the time. It was considered the uh, capital of Macedonia. Uh, there was a horizontal trading route, route road that went right through there, so it was a, it was a neat hub of play. It was a, just kind of a bustling city. And you can imagine probably about twice the size of the Golden Isles uh, when it comes to population. All right, so that was, that's basically, um, you know, Thessalonica. All right, so there are a lot of issues 1 Thessalonians and 2 Thessalonians are similar in some ways with things that Paul is trying to address. And it's uh, the Judaizers who are just wearing people out, okay, in the church uh, in Thessalonica and just, and just spreading some false doctrine, um, you know, and we're, we're gonna, we'll focus on one of those uh, uh, here in a couple minutes. Um, but so he was dealing with that, people kind of being lazy and not, not wanting to work. They could work, but they... But they were choosing not to, and there were reasons for that, and we'll talk about those too. But so, the, you know, he, he, had to, he had to address some, um, some, some real, some eschatology, some end time stuff that he had to clean up, you know, the, the man of lawlessness and things of that nature, and then just kind of behavior, 
And, and, that, and again, that's, that's what was good for his, you know, uh, you know, when he was writing these epistles, especially the short ones, uh, you know, just kind of bullet points and behavior and things. And we're going to talk about that. So he's wrapping up his second letter, all right, here in chapter 3. And uh, we're going to cover these 18 verses. I'll start uh, with 1 through 5. I'm reading out of the NASB this morning. And it says this. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord will spread rapidly and be glorified just as, as it did also with you. And that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men, for not all have faith. But the Lord is faithful, and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord concerning you, that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. So, how can we make 2021 different? So, my first point is the same as Ethan's same as Ethan's last Sunday. Prayer. Okay, through our prayer lives. How is 2021 going to be different? Paul constantly asked other Christians to pray for him. Paul knew that the success of his ministry in some measure depended on the prayers of God's people. Spurgeon, you cannot tell how much God's servants are helped by the prayers of his people. The strongest man in Israel will be better for the prayers of the weakest saint in Zion. You don't know. You, you don't know. What, how God uses your prayers. You don't know how strong or weak they, they you know, or how good, that, the good that they can do. You have no idea. We have got to be a lot more focused and disciplined in our prayer life to get this thing, to get this thing going the right way. Paul's great concern when he first asked the Thessalonian Christians to pray for was, the God's, was that, with that God's word would be free to do its work among others. Even as it had among the Thessalonians, just, you know, as he said, just as it is with you. Paul asked for prayer so that the word could run freely without any hindrance. Paul's prayer request makes us wonder how often the work of God's word is hindered by our prayerlessness. Now, God is not hindered, but the work can be hindered, right? Because we have choices to make. We have free will. So God is not hindered by your prayer, prayerlessness, but the work is hindered. So we've got to pray. We've got to pray more. God has promised that his word would, would be free and perform its work. Isaiah 55, 11, it won't be on the screen, but you know it. it. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55, 11. But as, as with many of God's promises, we're expected to take this promise in faith and in prayer to ask God to perform the promise of his glory. You know, what did, a, what did a, a 2020 prayer look like for you? What did it sound like? Did, did, it, did your prayer life change at all? You know, did, you know I've got a, a, my commute, you know, we live up on exit 29, so my commute is about 30 minutes. And so that's an hour of drive time every day. Now I've got Kirkland in the car with me, it doesn't matter, he doesn't talk much. All right, so, you know, whether I'm engaging conversation with him or not, Typically, I have 30 minutes of prayer time in the morning and, and 30 on the way back. We talk a little more about, on the way back because, you know, life has happened and we need to talk about it. Uh, but what we, what we see and what we have, I've got a routine Monday through Friday, okay? I've got a, 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 a in the morning, you know, I've got some quiet time, all right? And then in the car, I have, very, I have, I have landmarks, who I'm praying for, you know, when I hit it and all those things. So 
all that stuff happens Monday through Friday of a, of a work week for me. You know, Saturday and Sunday, my prayer life looks a lot different. Um, I've been, you know, on Christmas vacation for a couple of weeks. You know, yay, education. You know, so, you know, so my prayer life looks different then. But I got to tell you, there's not much with the adversity that we faced in 2020 that railroaded any of my, of the, of my prayer life, okay, when, when my scheduled prayer time. So I'm curious, you know, if it was any different for you. And not that things weren't hard, not that things didn't change, um, you know. You know, we won one football game. Uh, you know, and it was hard. You know, made the playoffs, but we <laughs> won one football game. So, you know, fourth time in program history. Went first time ever back to back. But yeah, we were we were one and eight. You know, because we got COVIDed out of one game and then and then went and lost the first round game in Augusta. But you know, but we got to play. But with you know with. With all the hardships of, that's my job, okay, coaching football, right? That's my job. So, so with all the adversity that was coming there and all the different things that we had to deal with, so, you know, yeah, my, my prayer life, while routinely didn't change much, but like when, you know, I wasn't sleeping anyway for like six months. So when, you, when you're only winning, you know, one football game and it was the seventh game when we won it, so... You know, so when, when, you're only, you know, when you only win one, you know, I'm not sleeping any. You know, just trying to figure out what we can do. You know, those prayers hit a little different. And it's not, God, please help us win. Like, it's not like that. But it's, you know, hey, what can I do? Are my kids okay? You know, those kids and then those kids. Are they okay? Are they getting enough to eat? You know, I mean, this, it's those kinds of things. Those prayers hit different, you know. You know, financial stability, you know, I, I, thank goodness I was still able to work, so I was still getting paid, right? So, but when you're not, those prayers hit a little different, don't they? So look, God is not going to be hindered, all right? But the work of the kingdom here on earth, the, of the gospel, will be hindered by your prayerlessness. So please, if this is any kind of reminder... Going into this year, we, how can 2021 be different, okay, through prayer? And finishing up with four and five right here, you know, it says, we have confidence in the Lord concerning you. Ooh, let's back up to three. Um, you know, but the Lord is faithful and he will strengthen and protect you from the evil one, okay? It's very important that we know that even if not all men have faith, that the Lord is faithful. This was the basis of Paul's confidence in God's ability to establish and guard us from the evil one. Um, you know, when he's talking about the, the, the perverse, the evil and wicked men, you know, remember he was in Corinth. If you've read, you know, First and Second Corinthians, the things he was dealing with there were, were really awful. So he was like, hey, you know, some bad stuff going on down here. Okay, please, you know, pray about that, you know, that we will be rescued from perverse and evil men back in two. Uh, it's just important that we cover that. You know, but the Lord is faithful. God promised to keep Satan on a leash. He will not allow any temptation to become too great for us. That's 1 Corinthians 10. And he will not allow Satan to do whatever he wants with us. That's Luke chapter 22. Okay? That we have confidence in the Lord. Paul was, so, was also confident in the Lord regarding the Thessalonians themselves that they would follow through and be obedient to God's word. That you, that you do and will do the things we command. This shows that God's work of establishing and guarding us is done in part through his appeal to our will in obeying his word. 
Okay? So if you want God to work in your life and through you, all right, a part of that work is done through his appeal to our will and our willingness to line up under, our willingness to obey his word. That's important too. God doesn't just pour spiritual maturity and stability into us. He works it into us through our cooperation with his will. So in your prayer life, when you're like, God, I need some stability. God, I need some, um, you know, some emotional stability. God, I need some financial stability. God, I need some, some maturity. He, he's not going to just pour it in. And I know we, we, you know, God, we need some speed, right? We need some, some fast kids. He's not just going to pour it in. We've got we've to do the work. We've got to do the speed work. It's the same for all those other things. Okay, he's not just going to pour it in. He works it into us through our cooperation with his will. And verse 5, May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Paul wisely prayed for both love and patience, endurance. Um, you know, the, the Greek word there is, is basically endurance, steadfastness for the Thessalonian Christians. Uh, these are two qualities essential for the kind of spiritual stability and strength that the Thessalonians needed. Because at the time, they were under some heavy persecution. All right, so they were, they were dealing with stuff as a body, and we'll get to that in this second chunk here, all right? But they were dealing with some stuff, all right, but they were from the inside, but they were also being persecuted from the outside. So they needed that stability. They needed that, reass- that reassurance. So how is your 2021 going to be different? That's through your prayer life. How else can it be different? Through discipline, hard work. Now, I'm going to read 6 through 15, all right, and we'll bounce around a little bit. It's a lot, okay? And there's some difficult for, if you're a seeker today, you don't know the Lord, but you're here, you know, and you're, you're trying to figure some things out. And there's some church discipline that's talked about in here, so it may be difficult to chew on, all right? Don't, just don't try to hang the whole gospel on it, all right? And then for some of you seasoned veterans, uh, you still might not like it, okay? But we're going to get through it and, and talk about in context what it means. So I'm going to read 6 through 15. It says, now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you keep away from every brother who leads, as, uh, excuse me, who leads an unruly life and not according to the tradition which you received from us. For you yourselves know how you ought to follow our example because we did not act in an undisciplined manner among you, nor did we eat anyone's bread without paying for it. But with labor and hardship, we kept working night and day so that we would not be a burden to any of you. Not because we do not have the right to do this, but in order to offer ourselves as a model for you so that you would follow our example. For even when we were with you, we used to give you this order. If anyone is not willing to work, then he is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, such persons we command and exhort in the Lord Jesus Christ to work in quiet fashion and eat their own bread. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. If anyone does not obey our instruction in this letter, take special note of that person and do not associate with him so that he will be put to shame. Yet do not regard him as an enemy, but admonish him as a brother. Okay, Um, that's tough. The theme, though, however, all right, for you especially, how, you, how can you make 2021 different than 2020 is through disciplined hard work, okay? Now, it's important that you understand that the, these Judaizers at the time inside the church in Thessalonica 
were in Paul's absence, okay, were telling the believers, look, like it wasn't so long ago that Jesus was killed on the cross and that he rose again. Like he's coming back like tomorrow, tomorrow. There is no reason whatsoever for you to busy yourself with anything. Sit and wait. Sit and wait, sit and wait, sit and wait. So as the days kept piling up, and some of these people who, who got following that false doctrine, they were sitting waiting, well, they got bored. So what they started to do is start following the people around. Their friends, their church members, I mean, they're all kind of in there together. You know, they're just following around. Just, hey, why are you working? What are you doing? Why are you doing this, man? You, should just, you shouldn't do that. Jesus is coming back. He's coming to get us. He's coming back. He's coming back. Put that down. You don't need to do that. Quit doing that. We've got enough. We're doing this. He's coming back tomorrow. He'll be here any minute. And so that, that's what was happening. And so some people were getting pulled into that because our, our fleshy nature, you know, if you had to choose between back-breaking hard work and not, most of us are going to pick not if we still got some, some bread to eat. So that was an issue. And so Paul had to address it. So, and again, so this command to withdraw from the disorderly in, uh, in verse 6 is pretty interesting. So the strength of this statement is plain. It was not only a command, but it was also made in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, that you withdraw. Paul defined the disorderly as those who did not walk according to the tradition, which is the pattern of teaching and living that Paul and the apostles gave them. This is important to note, so hear me now. Churches should never withdraw from someone because he, he fails to conform to man's traditions. Or teachings. The only standard to uphold is the apostolic tradition and teaching. That's what Paul is saying. What we taught you, okay, what the apostles taught you, that's the standard. Meet the standard. That's what he was saying. All these other things that we can add, not the standard, okay? The apostles' teaching is the standard. Those are what we're gonna hold you. You can add tradition to it all you want, okay? But the traditions of men, that is not the standard. Okay, It's the teachings of the apostles, and that's very important. The present tense of the verb walks denotes that it is a deliberate course of action. So those who are, who are walking in this, in this, this living this unruly, you know, unruly life and not according to the teachings, okay, the, the verb denotes that it's a deliberate course of action. So their disorderly conduct is not an occasional lapse. lapse but a persistent practice. That's important to note too. Okay, We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul had already told the Thessalonians to warn the unruly uh, back in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians. Apparently the problem still remained in some measure, so he told them to now discipline the unruly ones in question. The purpose in withdrawing from these disobedient was not so much punishment, but more so simply to deny these disobedient ones the aid and comfort of the fellowship of the body of Christ until they repented. So it put them out of the church into the domain of the world, which is basically Satan's domain, and hope that they might miss the fellowship of the church so that they would repent of their disobedience. Look, so I know it sounds awful, but the idea is that the church is so wonderfully welcoming and such a wonderful place to be that if someone was to not come, they would miss it. All right, so here's some of the hard stuff about that because, and, and what we had to do in the change, you know, thank God that Sunday small groups are coming back, really. 
And I don't know what that is going to look like for you or whether y'all still need to do it on Zoom or whatever, or meet in person or whatever. But guys, it's really hard to go, to go deeper than a dang millimeter in a relationship with somebody and get to know them truly if, if we can't meet. So that's hard. Okay? So what, how can we make the church the place that if someone wasn't to come, no matter the reason, that they would be devastated, that they would miss it? I think that's important to note. You know, and it, you know, again, just I'm not, I'm not trying to be mean or whatever, but, but like how our relationships here. Um, you know, we don't, Jessica and I don't really have like friends outside of the church. So, but, you know, and, and a whole lot of you are our friends, but you, but we don't like know, know each other, right? It's like that original Spurgeon quote, like, if you, if you don't like me, you know, you don't know the half of it, right? I mean, it really, so, so, you know, how many of us really know each other that much? And, and, you know, how many families are sitting here where you've got no relationships like that? See, you know, I got, I got at least two guys that, uh, during football season that is not going to ask me how the game went on Sunday <laughs> because they already know. And so, on, on, you know, on, in a season like we had that was comforting, right, but they already knew. It's because they checked. They care about me. You know, they know the things that I care about, so they, they follow it. And, you know, they knew if we won or not that Friday night. I mean, I know it's, just a, it's a lame example, but it's, a, it's deeper than a millimeter. That care for me. You know, so I just want to make sure, and, it, and if, you know, you've only been coming, uh, you know, to church here recently and whatnot, we're, we're trying to start up our, our, our basically our, our Sunday small groups again, and it's an opportunity for you to plug in and, and get to know somebody in a, in, a, in a similar life stage. And we in the Western church in America, we can't do biblical discipline most of the times. We can't. Because our relationships aren't strong enough. Our relationships aren't strong enough for all of us to line up under God's word, realize there needs to be some discipline, do it, and have everybody agree. So what happens? Everybody takes their Bible and goes somewhere else. Because it's hard. And the things that were happening in the early church are no different. It was hard back then. But the discipline was a little easier, I guess. And they weren't Canaan folks, I'm one, I guess, so it would probably be okay. But, you know, we want to make this place a place where if you didn't come, if you were just to miss a Sunday, that it hurts your heart. Is that fair? Brenda Parker would have said amen right there, but it's all right. So I'll let it go. So Paul echoed the same idea in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. The purpose was to bring about repentance and salvation in the disobedient ones, not to condemn or damn them. And in an indirect way, Paul showed that his vision for the church was that it should be such a place of love and comfort that one would generally feel sad and sorry to be excluded. Churches today should fit that description. They really should. All right, so if you yourselves know how you ought to follow us. So Paul was set an, ex, uh, an excellent example among the Thessalonians in that he worked hard to support his own needs. This wasn't because apostles like Paul didn't have the right to request support. Instead, it was because he wanted to set a good example of hard work and prove false any accusation that he preached the gospel for personal gain. Therefore, the Thessalonians should follow Paul in his example of both hard work and willingness to sacrifice for the furtherance and integrity of the gospel. Now, Friday after Friday after Friday night, 
you know, we would lose and lose and lose and lose. I had to talk to the same report, you know, what are you going to do to whatever. Uh, my only answer was, all I know to do is to work hard. So we're going to go back to work. Disciplined, hard work. That's the only thing I know how to do. I, I'm not going to do it half-tail. I'm not going to do it, you know, lightly. I'm not going to be lazy about it. It's hard and it stinks and it's, and it's not working. You know, so we're going to make some changes and, and work hard. And I can tell you, just, if, you know, high school athletics is, is odd. You, you never really know. If you're not in it, you don't really know, like, how much, like, how much time is involved and things like that. And, and I've never worked harder than the one in nine years, the two in eight years, and the three in seven years. You know, the eight and three years, the nine and four years, you know, the quarterfinal years and stuff like that. Um, you work long. And you work hard, but man, you're winning. So what's winning? Say fun. It's fun. Losing is not fun. So you, you're, wor- you're, just, you're working harder. You can imagine it. And that's all I know to do is discipline, hard work. All right? And, it's in, and Paul's saying the same thing. Like, look, you have got to work. Simply put, Paul says that if anyone will not work, it's not, it's not cannot work. It's not cannot work. If you cannot work, we get it. These are people, able-bodied people who will not work. Neither shall he eat. God's plan is to provide for our needs through our work. Since God is able to provide through our needs in any manner imaginable, it means something that he has chosen to do it through our work. This is part of God's character because he's a busy God and he is always at work. There are some among you, some who walk among you in a disordered manner, living an undisciplined life. The idleness of some had become a source of sin. It was not only because of the work that they didn't do, but also because of the harm that they did do with their idle time, that they've become these busybodies. It's a play on words between the ancient Greek phrasing with not working at all and but our busybodies. The idea is something like busybodies who do no business. That's what it means. Busybodies, people who are doing stuff but get nothing done. Okay, busybodies who do no business. No business, excuse me. So perhaps these busybodies thought that if Jesus was coming soon, that it made no sense to work. It would then be easy for them to intrude in the lives of others and take advantage of Christian generosity. Calvin. I'm not saying I'm a Calvinist, but I'm not saying I'm not. John Calvin. It is the inactive drones whom Paul is berating, those who live by the sweat of others while while they themselves do nothing for the common good to help the human race. With authority through the Lord Jesus, Paul commanded the busybodies to get to work, to get out of the business of others in quietness, and to provide for their own needs, eat your own bread, instead of expecting other Christians to provide for them. Okay? The early church did provide for the truly needy among them, but only after being certain that they were truly needy and after putting them to work for the church. You can read about that in 1 Timothy. So, if, if they couldn't find anything for these, these destitute to do, they just hired them at the church. Let their, they found a job for them and paid them in bread. That's what they did. Calvin again. Paul forbids the Thessalonians to encourage their laziness by indulging it and teaching that it is those who prove themselves with the necessities of life by honorable and useful work that lead a life of holiness. Back up into 1 Thessalonians 4. Same kind, obviously the issues 
were the same that he was dealing with when he wrote 1 Thessalonians. If you look at chapter 4 in 1 Thessalonians, uh, halfway through verse 10 uh, through 12, it says this. This is Paul speaking again. But we urge you, brethren, to excel still more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life, attend to your own business, and work with your hands, just as we commanded you so that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. Basically what he said, he said, keep your mouth shut, Mind your business and work hard. It's good, it's good stuff, though, right? Keep your mouth shut. Mind your business and work hard. Why? So that you will behave properly towards outsiders and not be in any need. So you won't be a burden to anybody. So obviously this was a huge issue in the church at Thessalonica. Okay, it's important. Now, verse 13, which is the, be- the best verse out of all of it in this chunk, it says, But as for you, brethren, for those that are trying harder, for those who are already doing it, for those who are living a disciplined life, you're working hard. For, for you, do not grow weary of doing good. Do not grow weary of doing good. Very important. This was a proper encouragement for those who were working as they should. Few things are more wearying than seeing others take advantage of Christian generosity, but we should never let the manipulations of some discourage us from doing good to the truly needy. The older King James Version has this, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. There is plenty of well-wishing in the world, well-resolving, well-suggesting, well-criticizing, well-meaning. They're found in plenty. Many people are good at well-taking and well-talking, but there's not enough simple well-doing. Spurgeon. But well-doing consists in taking down the shutters and selling your goods. Now, kids, Spurgeon lived in the 1800s, okay? So I'm going to talk about sweeping carpets is because there was no vacuum cleaners. All right. But well-doing consists in taking down the shutters and selling your goods, tucking up your shirt sleeves and doing a good day's work, sweeping the carpets and dusting the chairs. If you happen to be a domestic servant, well-doing is attending to the duties that arise out of our relationships in life, attending carefully to them and seeing that in nothing we are eye servers or man pleasers, but in everything are seeking to serve God. That's being well-doing. That's disciplined, hard work. 14, if anyone does not obey your instruction in this letter, take special note of that person. Do not associate with him. Here, Paul finished the thought introduced in verse 6. He here elaborates on what it means to withdraw from a brother, as mentioned previously. Withdraw, just take note of them. Don't keep company with them with the purpose of causing them. Basically, for the purpose of causing them to be ashamed. But again, again, the idea is... It's so good in here for not to be here is, is heartbreaking. That's the idea. The purpose is not to make him an enemy of the church, but through the severity of the withdrawal from fellowship to warn and admonish him as a, an erring brother. Calvin, again, the intention of excommunication is not to drive men from the Lord's flock, but rather to bring them back again when they have wandered and gone astray. How can your 2021 be different? Through prayer and through leading a disciplined life of hard work. Lastly, 2021 can be different by accepting and living in God's peace. Now, I know Paul's wrapping up the whole letter, but listen to what he says. 
16 through 18. It says, Now may the Lord of peace himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand, and this is a distinguishing mark in every letter. This is the way I write. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. May the Lord of peace, God's, Paul's blessing of peace, always in every way, was appropriate for this church experiencing both persecution and tribulation. It is the presence of the Lord of peace that will grant them this peace. Think about it. We are trying to think of applicable, real ways, things that we can do to make this year different than the last one. Talk about prayer, talk about discipline, living, and hard work, and then accepting and living in God's peace. Guys, sometimes we just got to take a step back and we got to put our head on the shoulder or in the lap of Christ, and we got to breathe deeply. We have to drink from the well deeply, and we've got to accept and live in, choose to dwell in God's peace, because it's not peaceful out there. And again, I know I made a joke about like Auburn football and Twitter. There, there's some things coming this month that are going to look a lot like last month and the month before. They really are. So how different is it's going to be up to you? How different can you make it through, through prayer, you know, a solid prayer life, hard work? Guys, we've got to roll our sleeves up now, right? We've got to shut our mouth, mind our own business, and go to work. We've got to do a lot of that now, and that'll help. But accepting and living in God's peace is a very long Spurgeon one, and we're done. I want to call particular attention to the apostle's words in this place. I'm talking about this verse. He does not say, may the Lord of peace send his angel to give you peace. It were a great mercy if he did, and we might be as glad as Jacob was when the angels of God met him. He does not even say, may the Lord of peace send his minister to give you peace. If he did, we might be as happy as Abraham when Melchizedek refreshed him with bread and wine. He does not even say, may the Lord of peace at the communion table or in the reading of the word or in prayer or in some other sacred exercise give you peace. In all these, we might well be as refreshed. But he says, the Lord of peace himself give you peace. As if he alone in his own person could give peace. And as if his presence were the sole means of such a divine peace as he desires. Amen to that. How can you make 2021 different for you? Pray. Be disciplined, work hard, and live in God's peace. And for those of you working harder, for those of you working harder, don't grow weary in well-doing. Don't stop. You know, God chooses to show you fruit in your endeavors. He, and he chooses when. So you might, not be, you might not see it now. Okay? So just because you don't see it, don't grow weary in doing good. Don't grow weary in working harder to help your fellow man. So as Britton and Ann come up, I'm going to pray. The altar's always open for you. You may want to get a jump start on improving that prayer life. 
Now's the time. Pray with me and we'll close. Father, thank you, God, for today. Thank you for giving us the ability, the opportunity to gather, to open your word, to read it, to talk about it. God, to worship. Father, I pray that our worship would be that sweet aroma to you and that you would breathe it in deeply. But God, help us, Lord. Help us improve our prayer life. We want to be so connected to you that all throughout the day, God, that, that, that connection, that line of communication is open. Father, help us there. Help us do it better. God, give us the strength and the courage and the ability to work hard. Help us understand that obedience to your word is important and that living a disciplined life of hard work can help us. Help us roll up our shirt sleeves, God. Keep our mouths shut, mind our own business, and get to work. And Father, help us, Lord, understand that sometimes we just need to stop and accept and live in your peace before we can get going again. May your peace and comfort descend upon us, God, in a new way today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray.